ho! Merry Christmas! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mouth House Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today, and with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy, howdy, howdy. This is episode number 159 of the Mouth House Games Podcast. We are a podcast all about board games, card games, role-playing games, tabletop games, dice games, things of that sort, and beer, and today, wine. Yes, today we are having, what is it called? Madison Meadows Sauvignon Blanc from Romania. So y'all, all the Isle of Shame heads might be familiar with this wine from Romania, supposedly, allegedly, possibly. I don't believe them. I don't believe them. So uh, I'm going to tell a little story first. So the Aldi every year has a wine advent calendar, and I have never been able to get one, ever. They always sell out way too quickly. And so this year, Delta kept an eye out on the Isle of Shame I guess, Facebook group, or where'd you find out about it, Del? I looked up when they were going to start getting their Christmas stuff and uh, went with that date as the start date for it and then did a little Googling, and a lot of people said that once they start stocking their Christmas stuff, that's when they first get these advent calendars in. And so I thought that Delton had come across like the secret hack, but whenever I arrived at Aldi on the Wednesday when things are supposed to launch... It was a full parking lot already. So I got there about 8.50 or so, and they opened at 9 o'clock. Parking lot was packed. I'm talking like 20, 30 cars, all Escalades and other Edmund higher-income vehicles. And something else I noticed was that nobody was standing outside the front door. And so I was like, you know what? Because it was cold. Yes, it was very cold. It was like 30 degrees outside. But I was like, you know what? It's 10 minutes. I don't care. So I get out of my car, and I go stand in the front of the store, And all of a sudden, I hear this cascading sound of car doors closing and people lining up behind me. Like, I'm talking inches behind me, like breathing down my neck. And I turned around. I've never had so many dirty looks in all my life because I started the the fire. I had everybody lining up behind me. And as soon as the Aldi person opened the door, I ran over to the Isle of Shame, grabbed my wine, and checked out in 37 seconds. I was incredibly proud of myself. By running, you mean you walked directly toward. I walked directly toward in my little Haley fashion. I mean, I was moving. I got little legs, so they go fast. That's true. You're kind of like a, 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 a millipede. Yes. Those little legs are flying, but your whole body's just going. I'm like, I'm like Penny whenever she's running. Our cat Penny is eight pounds of nothing. and Her legs go straight down, and she just kind of leaves them straight as she runs. Well, it's like a little cartoon character. But that's not what I yeah. looked like. But you know what? It was effective, and dirty looks did not kill me. I got a lot of those. But you know what? I got my wine. And so I've been opening my advent calendar every day, and it comes with little bottles of wine. They're about a glass each. And so Delton and I have been splitting them each day. A five-ounce glass. Five-ounce glass, yes. So very small, but just enough for us to have a little taster. And today's wine is apparently from Romania? Yes. So the fun thing is it comes with a website that you go to, and it whenever you open your wine, you open the corresponding day, and it tells you all about the wine. So this one is apparently... Madison Meadows uh, Sauvignon Blanc. And so it says, it is like a whispery Nora Jones song with Sauvignon Blanc. You know who's singing the second you hear the first note. The unmistakable passion fruit, gooseberry, and grassy herb aromas are a dead giveaway. I don't know if we're really going to get those in what's probably about $3 worth of wine right now. And I also highly doubt this is actually from Romania. So each of the wines apparently, supposedly, allegedly are from these different countries. Like we had a Bulgarian wine the other day. 
We had an Argentinian wine. We had da 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 wine. But I have not been able to find any of these quote unquote wineries online. So I don't really think they exist. But you know what? I got my Advent wine calendar. It's been fun. Let's have some allegedly, supposedly, probably Romanian wine. I love that it said something like it's like a Nora Jones song when and it starts singing, you know who it is. I could never in my life tell you who the hell Nora Jones is aside from her name and what song she sings. So if you, what does she sing? I don't know. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Like if you played a Nora Jones song, I would go, you say, who, who is this? And I would go, I don't know. I, ha- I don't know who she is either, but I have this feeling that she's one of those singers who goes, what's up? What's up? <laughs> she's a, so you think she's an indie singer? I think she's an indie singer, but I have no idea. I mean, I know I've heard the name and I know that I've heard a song, but I couldn't tell you at all. She's an American singer-songwriter, so leaning your direction. Uh, let's see here. She's 44. She's from Manhattan. It looks like her big song was Come Away With Me and Don't Know Why in 2002. Could not tell you what those songs are. At the As of 2003, she has sold more than 50 million records worldwide. Well, let's take a drink and let's see if it tastes like her description. I, mean, I can see her there, but sure. That's an interesting wine. It's almost got a sour tartness on the back. It really does. I wonder if she's sour and tart. It tastes like table grapes. You ever had yes. like table grapes that are I, mostly for decorations, but sometimes you eat them because you're bored? No, but I just thought of not very taste, tasty white grapes. Like when you buy a bag of white grapes and you get excited and then you realize, oh man, these ones don't have like a lot of tartness to them. That's what this is. Yeah, it's, a, it's basically like table grapes. They're like used a lot for garnishes and decor. Uh, and you can eat them. They're just not the best grapes. Yeah. But it's wine. I mean, it's not bad. It's, yeah, it's a Sauvignon Blanc. I fought for this wine. I have the sunk cost fallacy. Therefore, it's a good wine. I like it. I like the sunk cost fallacy. I'd live my life that way. <laughs> I put money into this. Therefore, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> that's why he has me. I was going to say, that's why I keep you around. <laughs> yeah. 12 years strong. The most sunk cost. The most cost that has been sunk. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel loved. What else have we been up to over the last couple of weeks, Delty, aside from fighting Edmund Moms? We had your birthday. Birthday. Chicky cheese for my birthday. We went hiking. For my birthday. In the Wichita's. I made Delton's legs hurt. My feet. Made Delton's feet hurt. One of my feet was causing, having some severe pain for a couple of days, but it went away. So that's <laughs> it's fine. fine. That's fine. Uh, Eddie said his feet were extremely sore and he's got to wear the right socks. He said he had way too many blisters. <laughs> Yeah, our new friend Eddie joined us. We met him in, uh, at the comic book shop. And so he joined us for my birthday hike. And he'll be also joining us this weekend for our adventure to Keystone. Yeah, Keystone Ancient Forest up outside Tulsa for a hike. And so fun story. So the last two years I've gone on a hike on my birthday at Lake Arcadia, which is right near us here in Edmond. And last year when I was meandering about by myself, I, I kind of wander aimlessly when I'm hiking by myself because I don't have anyone's agenda to attend to. So I just like, I'll go over here. I'm going to go discover this creek. I did discover a duck pond this year, and I'm really glad that I meandered. But uh, last year, I was just kind of wandering aimlessly, kind of retraced my steps, so on and so forth. And there was this elderly couple who were walking along the way, too. And the older gentleman came up to me last year, and he said, Hey, I just want to let you know and keep an eye on you. There's another guy who's walking around. Just want to make sure you're safe. I said, Oh, yeah, I really appreciate that. No, I'm good. Ended up walking with them for a while. He's a retired missionary. She uh, moved here uh, from Alabama, like in the 80s, and they've been together for like 40 years and heard his stories of 
hiking the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail, and it was a really nice time. And we've kind of kept in contact the last year or so. They sent us a Christmas card. I saw them once out and about. They gave me some books. Uh, but I hadn't seen them. I haven't seen him in almost a year, and I hadn't seen her in about six or seven months. And so I'm, I'm doing my birthday hike, and I'm walking around, and I'm thinking about them. So I send her a text, and not even two minutes later, I see both of them on the trail. And I run after them, and we greet each other like old friends. He gives me a bunch of crackers and sugar-free candy saying happy birthday. But it was just so neat to have found them on the trail again. And we just caught up and started walking. I probably walked them for about an hour and a half or so, just listening to, to stories of how they met and their hiking adventures they'd had lately. And he's 84, and I think she's 78. And they are still cruising, man. It's awesome. And so I hope that Tom and Sandra are doing well. I highly doubt they're listening, but thank you for making my birthday brighter. Two years in a row. Exactly, because your birthday's always during the week, and I'm usually working because we usually do your birthday stuff uh, between us and celebration on the weekends. Yes, and then Delty took me to uh, Rough Tail Brewery that night, and we both won bingo. We both won gift cards, so by the end of the night, we had a $1 bar tab. Yeah, I mean, we only had two beers apiece, two eight-ounce beers apiece. And, and two french fries. Two orders of french fries, because they have a kitchen now. And yeah, we only uh, we were able to pay off with our winnings all but a dollar of the tab, and so we tipped according to our tab before the gift cards were no twenty five cent tips here, man. Uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna do. Uh, what's twenty percent of a dollar ten? Uh, anyway, we did that. That was a lot of fun. And then on the weekend, we got to have Cullen's wedding, where I was the best man. Cullen was my best man at my wedding. Uh, we got to have his wedding, and we did stuff on Friday. I guess I did stuff on Friday. Kyle came and stayed. We played some games. We did the wedding Saturday. Kyle played some more games. We watched some movies and just had a good time with friends and some family and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a really great weekend. Really great two weeks, actually. I'm very, very, very grateful uh, because we also got to play some board games. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's... It's a game. One of the board games we played recently that we're talking about today was the one that was my favorite from BGGCon 2023. That's right, as you can tell from obviously clicking on the episode, I got Haley for her birthday, Dodo's Riding Dinos, really for Christmas. Yes, I've already got like half my Christmas presents and I'm really not complaining. I'm really bad at keeping gifts back because I always feel like I don't have enough, but I give you stuff early all the time. <laughs> Because, like, even for your birthday, I gave you your boots and your jacket early because it got cold and it was around your birthday so you could wear them out. Uh, and that's just how I do all gifts. And that's why I always send my gifts I buy for Delton with my sister. She currently has all of his, his Christmas gifts because I kept one, which was a Mario Kart game, and I couldn't keep it for 72 hours without giving it to him. So It was Mario and Rabbids Spark of Hope, the sequel to the one I played when I first got my Switch. When you got your second to me. Yeah. And so Riley has gone with me shopping for Delton's Christmas presents and has thus taken his Christmas presents home with her. So that way I'm not tempted to get them early. Tempt. But yes, Delton got me Dodo's Riding Dinos for my birthday, and I have yet to win a single game of it. We played the game with Kyle this weekend while he was over for all of the wedding shenanigans because he was also a groomsman uh, for Cullen. But I wanted to bust it out and give it to Haley so we could play it with Kyle because we enjoyed it so much and I knew we would have fun. I also, Tyler, if you listen to this episode, found the rules errors that you made and had to fix. But it's okay. The rule book's not fantastic. There's a couple things that either 
are in one place but not in the other or are in the main rules but not in the quick reference guide even though they're like kind of critical in their timing. All in all though, it's a simple game with simple rules. It's not hard to play and, you know, you can figure it out pretty easily. So Dodo's Riding Dinos is published by Draco Studios and Detestable Games. It is designed by Ruben Hernandez with developer Pepe Macba, Kickstarter graphics by Alina Carrillo, uh, illustrations by Ivan Escalante, logistics by Adrian Martinez, and 3D sculpts by Eriberto Valle. Uh, I believe that Draco Studios is out of Spain, which I don't know many games or game companies from Spain. It might just be my own uh, negligence into looking at the origins of certain companies and things like that. So I thought that was also very neat having a game from Spain, and I don't think I have uh, any others, if not maybe one or two others, but I couldn't tell, tell you off the top of my head, so I thought that was pretty cool. So Dodo's Riding Dinos is just what it sounds like. You have Dodo Birds riding on dinosaurs. This game is Mario Kart, the board game. You have two different boards that are double-sided, so four different racetracks. You are going to have one of the Dodo-Dino combos. Uh, everybody will have one. You are going to be playing cards face down. Everyone reveals at the same time. There are aggressive cards, and if a certain number of players try to play aggressive cards all together, that means that none of the aggressive abilities is, are going to happen. Otherwise, the abilities on your card will happen. You will be able to move your Dodo riding a dino then you'll do your ability. Then the next player will move theirs and do their ability and so on until everybody has played. And then at the end of that round, you have a few small upkeep things and it goes to the next one. The game is going to proceed like that until there is a winner of the race. There are a few interesting rules, which we've talked about this before, but this is what makes this game so much fun. Not only are you just moving dinosaurs and trying to race, but the abilities on the cards you play a lot of the time are going to include a dexterity element which adds so much fun to the game, such as basically only with your wrist throwing a banana at another player's dinosaur, flicking an egg, crokinole style, underhanding a feather from off the table to try to hit a dinosaur, dropping a meteorite from about a foot above a group of dinos and hoping to hit as many as possible, or the most difficult one, uh, maybe aside from the feather, the log that you have to put your hand on top of your dino and roll the log out of your hand and hope it hits somebody for massive damage. And you're going to be doing that to get ahead. So the cards that you play move you, like I said, an amount of distance, anywhere from zero to like five, I think, or maybe six. Then the abilities can be something like roll the dice, move that many spaces. Or if you moved uh, so many spaces, every dinosaur you passed has to take a damage or something like that. Most of them, though, will involve these dexterity elements. And what the dexterity elements, elements do is essentially provide a lot of fun, a little bit of craziness because you might end up hitting your own dinosaur or, you know, missing completely or pull a Haley and pitch the feather. And instead of hitting the front of the pack, hitting the very last player so that way she has to move from where she is to the end of the uh, line of players. It would have been better if I hadn't hit it all. <laughs> no, it was it was only better because you ended up putting yourself in last place. Oh, it meant better for me. <laughs> oh, it would have been better for you, yes. Because I was right in the middle. So whenever you hit another dinosaur or something like that, it will state that the dino who is hit takes damage. 
That means discarding cards from your very limited hand of, I believe you start with six in the beginning. Any time that uh, at the end of your turn or the end of the round that you are completely out of cards, you have to move back by three spaces and then you draw a new hand of five. There are cards with meteorite drops or log rolls in this that will do five damage to any dino hit, which means you could completely wreck somebody's entire hand then they must move back three and draw five at the end of, I believe, that turn, not their turn. It is that turn in that, uh, at the run phase. There are a couple different types of movement cards. I talked about the aggressive ones, that if more than a certain number of players play aggressive ones, it cancels the ability. There are normal movement cards, which are the blue ones. Uh, aggressive is red, blue ones that just have an ability. Then there are the green movement cards that are reaction cards. They're essentially the nopes and the counter spells of this game. Someone plays a card and says, I'm playing this and I'm doing four movement and then I get to drop two meteorites. You can say, nope, and the reaction card can say something along the lines of cancel an opponent's or cancel the most recent played movement card. So what that does is they still get their base movement, but they don't get the ability. You can also cancel a cancel so you could have some shenanigans going on on the table, uh, and you'll resolve that in the same Magic the Gathering mode, making a stack. It, it, it makes sense when you do it. But that is pretty much how the game's going to go, and you're going to race around that track until you are the winner. Or, in my case, until someone else is the winner. Because I have never won this game, even though Delton got it for my birthday. But here's the thing. Even though I have never won, I have an incredible time playing this game. Delton has called it the Mario Kart board game, and I definitely agree with that. I really enjoy the randomness of it all, and I really honestly enjoy the dexterity. I know that we've talked about dexterity on the podcast before, and I'm not really a dexterity person. Not that I don't like it. I'm just, I just know I'm not going to win. I just accept my fate in that. But in a game like this, I know I'm not going to, like the dexterity element is not going to be my friend, yet I still have a lot of fun with it. In a game like this, it's hard not to, though, because... It's a game that is meant to be lighthearted, a game that is meant to be just fun for everybody, winning or losing, and it's also a game that's meant to be swingy. The last player could become first and the first could become last in one turn, but that's the fun of it, is it's just like Mario Kart. Yeah, there's going to be some skill and some strategy involved, but all in all, it's so wacky and all over the place that that's not going to be 100% the determining factor on if you're going to be good at it. And also, nobody goes into this game caring about that. It's just fun. There are a couple of other things in this game that we have not dove into yet, one of which is the backside of the uh, main board or either of the other two racetracks, which is the like lava one, the ice one, and the, uh, what is this one? It's uh, Boreal Sky. It's basically Rainbow Road. We have not dug into those. There is also a cup mode, which is its full game experience. Uh, it's basically where you're going to be racing on all four tracks and you get points based on your placement and the person after the end of the fourth track who has the most points is the total winner. That even includes power-up cards, which can be like a coconut, a watermelon, and a banana. They have all these different fruits, but like the coconut, at the beginning of each race, you draw two cards and advance two hexes. So you immediately get a small bonus at the start of every race. So there are those different power-ups. There are also racer abilities, which we use. Uh, the pterodactyl, for example, he can skip over the other dinosaur's hexes instead of being in the same hex as the other dinos. 
the dino that has the smooth head, I can't think of what kind of dinosaur that is, but headbutt stuff, anytime there's a dinosaur in front of them, it essentially is going to move them back. So that dinosaur wants to just plow its way to the front. The Ankylosaurus, I think, anytime it throws a projectile, it throws an extra. And so there's a lot of stuff like that. Haley played the either Brontosaurus or Brachiosaurus. The long neck. The long neck. And it's like anytime, anytime you take damage, you would take one less damage. So Haley's or that character essentially is really nice because you're not getting affected as, str- as strongly as some of the others. Littlefoot's my new favorite. Bigfoot. <laughs> big, <laughs> big Littlefoot. Uh, they also have something that I thought was neat in this game. The dinosaurs uh, on the cards, your dodos and dinos. There are two names. One of which is, I believe, the dodo name first and then the dino name. Yeah, dodo's art names are displayed first and honor the real-life paleo, uh, paleontologists. Paleotolog- pa- Why is this word so hard to say? Paleontologist, is that right? I didn't realize. I'm thinking like paleotologist, but there's an N, and it's throwing me off. Is it paleontologist? Yes. It's just, I don't know why my brain can't comprehend tonight. Uh so the dodo's names are displayed first and honor the real-life paleontologist who discovered the fossil or made studies related to that species. So like the one that's the very, what is that dinosaur? He looks like a crocodile. It says Seeley, which is the dodo and the scientist, and Leo, L-I-O, I think that says. Can't really read it very well. Um, but yeah, and it has something to do with the actual dinosaur. So it's just kind of neat that they uh, do that in this. It also has challenger races that you can go through, which I have not read about. has some special rules if you want for two-player mode. It has the single race derby, which is an eight-player variant. And it's essentially that I think you have teams. Yeah, you can do four teams to play with eight players, which is pretty neat. And then the game also, to finish it all off, it has not only achievements, but it has what they call the Road to El Dorado, and based on the little rule thing here, I have not a single goddamn clue <laughs> as to what that means or how to function, how it functions. I'll have to look at some point, but that's going to be pretty much all of Dodo's Riding Dinos. It really, it's adorable artwork, good miniatures, good production quality, and such a fun, goofy game that holds up to six people and then eight if you do team play. It's, I think it's fantastic. Happy birthday to me. Christmas. I'm a Christmas. I'm a Christmas. I'm a So speaking of crisis, a merry Christmas, I am out of alcohols in my glass. Me too. What do we have next, Delty Poo? We had a party foul. Cue the, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming music now. Delton's looking like he has some calico cut pants right now. You gotta give... <laughs> Delton lost like a quarter of his beer on the floor. There was a few drops. I just poured incorrectly. (laughs) So the second drink for this episode is from Samuel Smith out of the UK. Uh, This is Samuel Smith's Winter Welcome Ale. They are the longest reigning British monarch. 70 years, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Cheers. That's weird. Uh, The old brewery, Samuel Smith in Tadcaster. Tadcaster, I'm going to guess it pronounced. 1952. Tad Caster. Tad Caster. But it's like... You Tad Caster. You don't say Lanc- Lanc- Lincolnshire. You're saying Lanc- Lancashire or Birmingham. Tad Caster. And so Tad Caster is Tad-Kester. how I'm going to guess that's pronounced. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, yes, the Winter Welcome Ale. This seasonal beer is a limited edition brewed for the short days and long nights of winter. The full body resulting from fermentation in stone Yorkshire squares and the luxurious malt character, which will appeal to the broad range of drinking uh, of drinkers, is balanced against whole dried fugal and golding hops with nuances and complexities that should be contemplated before an open fire. I could have swore this was an open fermented beer, um, and I still think it might be. I think it was on the package whenever you bought it. We got these on the half price rack because they're from last year, but the type of beer it is, it ages well, so we're like, hell yeah, brother. Half-priced, pre-aged, one-year beer. Exactly. This is a 12-ounce bottle, we don't have bottles often, of 6% alcohol by volume. Which we might have shot ourselves in the foot because we bought all that they had. We bought all that they had of this and of the gingerbread ale we had last Christmas. And because they had it all on the half price rack and we bought all of it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so surprised you guys are buying it. And we're like, dude, it's been aging for a year and you have it half priced right now. Of course, we're going to buy this. And so they're like, oh, maybe next year we should just keep it and upcharge. And we're like, damn it. Yeah, we yeah, that was your fault. If you stop talking to the staff. I know. I make friends. Thank you. Thank you. I make friends too easily. I make friends with random old people in the forest who give me candy. I'm going to make friends with the people who who sell us beer. How are you never abducted as a child? (laughs) From some random old lady at the church that's like, whose kids are these? Because I'm scrappy. I guess so. (laughs) So this beer is definitely an amber color, a little bit darker. You can tell it's a stronger ale. It's got some haze to it. It has a nice, like, toasty smell. You can definitely smell the, the malt involved. It has a nice, it's a very warming, toasty taste to it. It almost makes you think of a Christmas cookie. You know what it reminds me of? Huh. Whenever you have oatmeal raisin cookies and the cookie's been baked and sometimes you get a raisin that's sticking out and gets stuck to the pan and it gets a little too burnt and crispy. Kind of has that. It tastes like the burnt and crispy raisin. It's really good. Yeah. It's it's very good. The hops that they use, uh, I know that Fugel was one of them and Golding's hops. Golding's are super British hops. Uh, Fugel hops are very good. I got a smiley face in my beer. Look at that. That's a smiley head. But it's just got this nice toasty... Very winter Christmassy taste to me. Uh, I think it's really good. Sam Smith has a super solid oatmeal stout and a chocolate stout, uh, but their oatmeal stout, uh, maybe it's oatmeal raisin stout, was always one of my favorites. That was the first time I ever saw Delton drunk. So I pulled up to the house. I had just gotten out of class, and Delton is still in his work clothes. It's like 8.30 at night, and he comes like teetering out to the driveway. And I say teetering, and he's walking stiff-legged and, like, shuffling back and forth. And he slowly puts his arms out like a robot. And I get out of the car, and I'm looking at him, and his arms just, like, uh, act like a slot over me and just engulf me. And I said, how are you doing, Delta? He said, I'm real good. And I realized that he drank four of those Sam Smith oatmeal stouts. And I was like, okay, Delton's really cuddly whenever he's drinky drink. I really am. That was always a really good beer, and I really like this one. This one's just nice and, and good for the winter season. But with this beer poured, let's move into the topic and get this rolling. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today, we wanted to talk about control in gaming. So the last couple of weeks, the two games we've played the most have been Dodo's Riding Dinos. We played this multiple times. And we revisited Pipeline whenever our friend Kyle came to stay with us. And so I thought that Control would be a good topic because 
these games are polar opposites when it comes to control over your own destiny in the games. They really are. I mean, they're they're they could be a little further opposite, but they are almost completely opposite. Exactly. So one of the the differentiating factors here between when Haley talks about control in a game does not necessarily mean random or luck in the game. It can also mean, which in this case it does, influence from other players and interactions with other players that affects you. Yes. So for example, when we play Pipeline, which we reviewed Pipeline in an earlier episode, probably like 100 episodes ago or something like that. Forever ago. It was forever ago. We played that twice this weekend with Kyle and with Pipeline. So for one, all the information is open. You know exactly what is out there. You know exactly what you can purchase. You know exactly what cards are available, what upgrades are available, so on and so forth. And there's very limited player interaction. There's very few ways that other players can affect you. Like if I were to buy an upgrade, I could, you know, keep an upgrade from being available until the next year. But that's really about it. Or I could take a piece that maybe Delton was eyeballing. But that's about it. That's yeah, very. I mean, you adjust the market when you buy or sell. Right. But even then, that's not 100% just detrimental. Right. But how well you do in the game really depends on how good you are at the game. And it's a game that takes practice. And even the designer says it takes practice. Dodo's Riding Dinosaurs is, or Dodo's Riding Dinos is very much the opposite. There are, one, there's a lot of dexterity element. And there's different ways that you utilize dexterity. And even if you are good at dexterity games, there's probably going to be one of these mechanisms you are very bad at. No, for sure. Uh, and that is a huge, a huge difference and a huge point in a lot of games, too, is how much control you have as a player on how well you're doing. There are a lot of people that really love the kind of games where everyone just jacks with each other and messes with each other, where your outcome can be immediately shut down based on somebody else's play. And there's a few games we have where somebody can sabotage your ability to win or how close you are at winning or something like that. Like that is possible in some of the games that we have and some that we even really like. But for the most part, I feel like we linger uh, a lot more on the side where we want more control in what we do. But the thing is, if you'd have nothing to do with your opponent in a game at all, that's when the game can start to be just a puzzle. And I enjoy multiplayer solitaire. I like games where, for the most part, you're just doing your own thing, do 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 and trying to figure out, you know, how can I win? How can I do better than everyone else? I mean, that's number nine, right? Number nine is we're all going to get the same pieces who can maximize and more efficiently build their board without knowing what's coming up in a way that they can uh, maximize benefit, maximize points, and be able to win. And that's always fun. But once you start introducing small elements of other people messing with the board or messing with something else or taking the spot you wanted in terms of like worker placement games, I feel like that adds another element because it's it's also how good are you going to do? How well are you going to maximize efficiency? But you also have to consider then the element of other players. And a game like Pipeline, like you said, uh, Pipeline, when you buy or sell from any of the markets that adjusts the market values that could change your play a little bit but even then you can always sell for a lower grade you can always buy it just might be more expensive but you could buy from a different area on the board there's three areas for each color that you could go to and no one can block you from going to any of them so there's very few things in that game that if someone beats you to it you're never going to see it again and even then with the uh, government tiles pipeline tiles or the market pipeline tiles 
there's a lot of duplicates or close to duplicates to where you'll be just fine. But in Dodo's Riding Dinos, it's all over the place where you could play and try to just go as fast as possible, but you can be definitely shut down based on everyone's ability to use dexterity, uh, which I think is a lot of fun. But having control in games, there's to me, there's a fine line, which is what I'm getting to with this rambly thing. There's a fine line where you want control, but you want there to be an element of uh, work where you have to work around other players. You want there to be an element of something else. Even in Food Chain Magnate, where it is literally 100% open information and there is absolutely zero random gameplay elements in that game. The advertising between you and the opponents and how you advertise, that is going to dictate a lot of how you function and how well you do and how poorly you do because you have to constantly understand how they're advertising, how you're advertising, and how to change around what you're doing to take advantage. If that wasn't part of the game, the game wouldn't be as good as it is. And I feel that way a lot. I feel that way with Gugong. Gugong, somebody can easily make it where you can't do what you want to do without having to pay the penalty, but the penalty is very minute. And if you could always do what you always wanted to do, again, it would then it would just be, let's play number nine instead. And I, that's how I kind of find control is I want almost complete control, but I want a little bit. I want that, I want that Agricola. Somebody beat me to the fish spot, damn it. You know, I want, uh, 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 trying to look at my shelves here of games that I, I look at, uh, you know, Ark Nova. I want somebody to beat me to the one card that I really needed to be able to finish my goal for the in-game scoring, stuff like that. So that's how I view control and my personal preferences on it. What about you, Haley? So for me, I do really appreciate having control. Like with Pipeline, I like being able to control what options I have. I like being able to control my turns. I like being able to control my plans. Like with Pipeline, I'm able to plan two, three, four, five, six turns in advance really easily. Dodo's Riding Dinos, I cannot. I cannot at all because, for example, I could have six cards in my hand. I take damage. I discard three cards. Uh, Delton plays a card. Nobody has a nope. All of a sudden, we have to switch hands with the person to our left. Like, it gets ridiculous how little control that you have. But the thing is, I like that. I think for me, it kind of depends on the mood. Sometimes I want to be able to plan, but there's, but I'm, I know I've talked about this before. I don't always necessarily play to win. I do play to win. Of course, I want to win. But for me, I just want to play to have a good time. And this is one of those games that I have never won. Zero times have I won this game. Of all the times I've played it, I have never won this game. But I always have so much fun because I'm just waiting for what's going to happen next. It's kind of a, a meta version of looking at this game. How is this going to play out? Uh, I'm going to get last, I know. But what's it, what's it going to be? Am I going to you know, try to toss the feather and accidentally hit the last player instead of the first player so I go behind the last player? Is it that I'm going to have a really terrible hand or I'm going to be past, a, uh, going to lose my eight-card hand and get a one-card hand? Uh, or is it that I'm playing against our friend Kyle and he is really good at mid-maxing every single thing that he does in life, and so he's going to completely destroy me despite the randomness? But I, that's what I like about this game. So for me, I really don't have a strong preference when it comes to planning versus random. I like all of it, just depending on what mood I'm in. So here's the question then. It, you like random and you like not. And I'm the same way. Obviously, I like Dodo's Riding Dinos and I like Food Chain Magnate, right? I like the opposite things. Is there ever a time when you're playing a game that you're either expecting more control or expecting less and the game actually has tricked you and it's the opposite? 
Like, is there a game you're like, oh, this game has a looks like it's going to be one where I can really plan everything out, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, poopy, I can't plan for shit. That's how I feel with Hansa Teutonica. Hansa Teutonica looks like a game that you're going to be able to plan everything, and then one person's like, bump you, but you, bump you here, but you, and they just start taking over, but that's also how the game plays. That's why I, that game is so, so good. But a game like that one, well, the first time I played it, I didn't expect that, and I didn't know what to do, and I was like, ah, and it's had to make me completely rethink how the game is played. I still do horribly at it, but it's one of those games that just, it, it wasn't what I expected. So do you have any like that? I don't think so, but mostly because I'm never the one who teaches the game. <laughs> True. Every game I go into, I am completely blind. I don't know what to expect. And also, even though I like to plan multiple turns in advance, I really don't feel like I get tied to a single plan. I think we've talked about this in previous episodes. I feel like I'm more flexible when it comes to my plans are thwarted or whatnot. Uh, I just start scheming in other ways, just like I do in my real life. Uh, so for me, I think it's a combination of I don't really get tied to a strategy as much, even though, like I said, I do like to plan in advance. I don't get super uh, connected to it. And two, I don't teach the game, so I'm always going in cold or going in blind and having to start a strategy from scratch because for you like you typically teach the games or you've at least been familiar with the games beforehand yeah and so you develop this schema in your mind of what the game's going to look like how it's going to play and i don't have that i go in and i'm just like ah game and then i f it up royally right <laughs> from the get-go i'm just like Hur. hell yeah brother That's sound. i'm like uh, uh uh i i can't remember that's how I am. I'm just like, look at me. Woo! And I start throwing stuff around because I just, I, I screw it all up. I thought it was going to be good. I'm Billy Madison. There we go. I'm Billy Madison. And I start talking to a penguin. I'm like, hey, Mr. Penguin. And that's me. It's kind of how I felt when you talked about you play games and you want to win, but you just play the game to see how it happens. When we played Royals with Brian and Jessica, the one that's like the area control with like, what was it? Ger yeah. Germany and France and the UK and yeah. Spain. I think. I think so. Uh, that one, I w immediately knew, oh, I'm not going to win this game. And I was just kind of watching everyone going, nope, not going to work. Nope, 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 not going to. And just watched myself tank, but was trying to figure it out. Now I feel like I could go back and play better. Uh, but I, I just, I thought of that when you said that. But I think all in all with this rambly topic section, uh, controlling games is something very unique. And everyone has a line of where they find their like, uh, their prime spot. Some people like having way more control where other players can't interact with it at all, whether there's randomness of cards or not. And some people want a little interaction and maybe no randomness. Or some people want all the interaction, but they want nothing random aside from the interaction. And there's just the whole gambit, again, like everything, it's that's why we have this board game hobby with a bajillion board games. And you'll find the ones that you like that fit with you and your group and all that stuff. But uh, control, I find, is one of those things that the more and more I play games, the more and more I start to notice people and what they like when it comes to control and lack of in games. And it's just, it's pretty unique. But if you're okay with absolutely zero control, Dodo's Riding Dinos is fantastic. Let fate decide. By fate, I mean your friends. I say we move into the question so we can get out of here because I'm hungry. I can tell because you drank that beer on what appears to be an empty stomach. And you're yep. talking to penguins over here. So what's our question, Delty Poo? And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. So the question of the episode is, Dodo's writing dinos and Pipeline are both about dinosaurs. Yes. 
<laughs> Absolutely they are. In the darkest way possible. Absolutely they are. I agree there too. Finally, unanimous answer. Woo! Finally, we are as one. We can now ascend into the heights and realms of dinner because I'm hungry. Don't talk to that penguin again. Yeah, there's a penguin here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us compare dinosaurs and oil together because they are one and the same. In the same? One and the... Mm, they're the same. I don't know how the saying goes now. <laughs> I'm for, I've never said it slowly out loud. I'm guessing it's one in the same. He's killed his wife. I don't... Collect life one insurance. Which one is it? In or and? Are they one and the same or are they one in the same? In the same. Are you sure? Yes. One and the same makes sense, though. <laughs> oh, God, it's been a week. Um, it, last, Happy Thursday. Last week was not only after Thanksgiving at work, but it was also end of month, which means we were goddamn swamped. And this week has been the uh, aftermath of that, of trying to catch up. And I'm exhausted. Everything's fine. Thank He's you. A boy. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. I want to give a big shout out to our amazing Patreon patrons. Thank you so much to Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff for supporting us at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. If you want to be like them or any other uh, patrons, you can head to patreon.com slash malthousegames. Jennifer, I'm going to mail you something this week. I keep forgetting to put it in the mailbox. She's going to mail you something this week, and she forgets to put it in the mailbox. I keep reminding her, and she just won't listen. Lies and propaganda. <laughs> you, you don't even know what I'm going to mail. I do, too. Are you sure? Yeah, you bought them in Guthrie. That's true. Freaking jerk. Anyway. If you want to send us an email or a message of some sort, letting us know a game you think we should look at, a topic you want us to talk about, a question you want us to answer, or some sort of beer or drink you think that we should find to talk about on the show, you can either email contact at malthousegames.com or you can find us on all social media at Malthouse Games. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K, though I'm more active on Instagram than on Twitter. That is at Geek. Yes. Haley basically never uses Twitter. She uses Instagram more. I still use Twitter and Instagram, but I'm probably slowly shifting into Instagram with my uh, hopefully starting to post a little bit more. I'm trying to get back into it. It's exhausting. We've had that discussion. I think that's everything for today, though. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe because it helps us out. And until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.